Little Rock Church, how's everybody doing? You guys good? It's good to see everybody. I love seeing everybody here in Conway. And we might have some people in our student venue here in our Conway campus. So let's give it up for anybody who might be in our student venue. And I know we also have people watching online and on demand later. So really glad that you're with us on this Easter Sunday morning. And uh, man, my prayer is that, that you've had a great day already, that it's been a great morning and that you've enjoyed just connecting with Jesus through worship. And, and, and I hope that you've had a chance to do that. I, I hope that it wasn't just some music that was played, but I really hoped it, that you connected with the Holy Spirit. I hope that you were able to connect with Jesus. And uh, if you're new with us, let me just say this. Thank you for coming. Like, I, I know there's, there's a ton of things you could do on Sunday morning, but you said, no, it's Easter, and I'm going to go to church, and you chose to come uh, to The Rock, and I, I want to thank you for that. I definitely want you to get connected as well, though, not just to Jesus. We want that, um, and, and we know that happens when we worship and when we, we open up God's Word, but, but we also want you to connect with some others. So if you are new with us, please stop by our Connect wall and our New Hair tent. We've got a gift for you, a t-shirt and several other things as well that we would love to just be able to give you um, just as a gift. And uh, if you're like, nah, man, it's going to be busy, then at, at a minimum, use that QR code that you'll find uh, there at your chair on one of the chairs in front of you and just let us know that you're here. All right. So now I'm going to dive right into the message and we're going to talk today. We're going to finish up a series that we've been in called If. All right. And, and you might be like, man, I haven't been here. Don't worry. I'll, I'll catch you up to speed. The idea of if is it's a conditional clause. And with the word if, typically there's an action, a reaction, something that follows. Meaning we would say this, that if that happens, then this will happen. And we've been going through a series and we've been talking through several things like that. And let me just like catch you up to speed. Let, let, let me use some conditional clauses and, and just see if you agree with me. This first one I, I've used several times, but it's helped you all understand what I mean. If the hot light is on, then I'm going to... I'm going to Krispy Kreme. I'm going to stop, right? So we all get that. But, but let's try some different ones. How about this? If the light turns yellow, then I hit the gas. My people, gas. Some of you said break. I don't know who you are. You're causing accidents, Olivia, all right? Now you hit the gas, right? Like I, like I got some place to go. Or how about this? Let's stay in the car for a while. That, that while I'm driving, if I see a police officer, then I slow down, hit the brake. We, right, we do it. We all do it. But, but here's reality. It's too late. I don't know if you know this or not, but all of our police officer friends would say, oh, we already clocked you. All right. And then here's what happens. If I get pulled over, then I cry. I heard it over here in every service. You ladies say that I just cry. Because if I cry, then maybe they'll be nice. I just want you to say, as a, I want to say as a dude, that's not fair. Because you cry, but I have to call my insurance company or my lawyer or my friend who's a police officer and say, hey, do you happen to know uh, officer so-and-so? 
Because that's what happens. All right, let's go a different direction. If you see a snake, then you shoot it. Like some of you said, run. I get that. But man, I'm pulling out my gun and I'm shooting that thing. And I get friends that'll say this. Well, if it's a black snake, no, there's no such thing as a good snake. They're all bad. Shoot them all. If, if I'm driving down the road and if a cat crosses in front of me, then I, I'm not going there. I, 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 you all said it. I, 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 y'all, y'all, y'all bad people. <laughs> but I, no, I'm not even going to say I agree because somebody will yell at me later. No, you get it. How about this? If it's Easter... Then I go to church, right? I mean, you're all here. So, so like we could all say, yep, that's what we do. That, that you're either here or you're watching online. That, that if it's Easter, then I'm going to go to church. If I go to church, then maybe I'll connect with Jesus. If I connect with Jesus, then maybe I'll find what really matters. And that is my prayer for you today is that you will find what really matters. That you will find that the story of Jesus, what we call the gospel story, which is the death, burial, and resurrection, that you will see that the tomb is empty. And and then here is my next level prayer to that, because this is all part of that realizing that Jesus matters, that if the tomb is empty, then that changes everything. Amen? That if the tomb is empty, if the tomb is truly empty, then it changes everything. I will tell you this, the empty tomb is what separates Christianity from all other faith-based systems in the world. There's only a couple things that separate different religions. One is this about Christianity, that our God came. That in pretty much every other faith-based religion, then God is a distant God, a far-off God that we are trying to get to, that we are trying to appease, that, that we're trying to figure out. But our God loves us so much that he said, I'm going to come to you, and he did so in Jesus, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. But, but what, what in addition separates our faith from every other faith-based system is not only that our God came, but our God died. See, it's not about us trying to get to God. It's not like us trying to appease a God. It's God saying, I'll do all the work. And all you have to do is place your faith. That, that God came, that God died. And then the third is that God rose from the dead. See, there's other faith-based systems out there that have religious teachers that, that, that taught about that religion, but all of them died. And when they died, they all stayed dead. But Jesus, who came and died, didn't stay dead. They buried him in a tomb, and three days later, he rose from the dead. That's what he did. And, and you can hear there's a lot of people like, yep, that's what I believe. And I'm thankful for that. But I know there's some of you go, man, I don't know if I believe that. 
Like, like I want to believe it, but I, but I don't know, like, is it true or is it just stories of what people have said? Like, like, is there evidence of an empty tomb? And I would say yes. Well, like I could say that, that we could look at, at the biographies of Jesus, which we find in the Bible, and, and they'll give history of it. They were eyewitnesses. They were there. But you can go to other books as well and see historical accounts of what happened. That, that maybe I could say it this way. Let me use some if clauses, um, uh, the conditional statements, to, to prove that the tomb is empty. And I'll do it by saying it this way. If the tomb wasn't empty, or if the tomb isn't empty, then, then where is the body? I mean, think about that. Like, like it would be so easy for other faith-based systems, for, for the Jewish religious leaders of the time who were trying to squelch Christianity, they were trying to get, get rid of Christianity, they didn't want it to spread, it would have been so easy for them to produce a body, or at least they would have wanted to. That, that, that they wanted to so much that, that they said, let's put a guard over the tomb. See, reality is we know where Jesus was buried. We don't know the exact tomb, but we know the area. And think about it in our modern world. We all know where the cemeteries are. Like, you know where you bury somebody if you're doing a true burial. That, that back then, Joseph of Arimathea, when Jesus died on a cross, he went to the, to the uh, governing authorities, the, the Roman authority, Pilate, and he said, Pilate, can I have the body of Jesus to give him a proper burial? Pilate said, yep, just get rid of it. I'm tired of this story. said, you can do so. So Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus, wrapped him in linen cloths. We, we read this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they put him in a tomb. And the lady saw the tomb that they put him in. The Jews saw the tomb that they put him in. The Jews were so concerned about it that they went back to Pilate and said, hey, will you allow us to station a guard there and seal it? Now, we don't know if it was a Roman guard or a Jewish guard, but, but it was a guard at least. And we have a seal, which my guess is would have been a Roman seal protecting the tomb, saying we know where the tomb is and we're guarding it so that no one can steal the body. Yet, on that Sunday morning, an earthquake hit, an angel showed up, the soldiers passed out, and the body was gone. And no one has found it since. The Romans, they could have tried to find it. They didn't. The Jews, they weren't able to find it. Even modern day, think about it. How many archaeological uh, findings have we found in the Middle East? Like, like we found hundreds, thousands of things. Yet we cannot find the body of Jesus even though we know the tomb area of where he was put. Why can't we find it? Because it's not there. It's not there. He rose from the dead. But, but let's go a step further. That if the tomb wasn't empty, then why did they pick women to be the main witnesses? And, and, and in today's world, we might go, well, what, what does that even mean? But back then, the women were not allowed to give testimony. Like in a court of law, like if a woman came and said, well, I'm an eyewitness, they would have said, sorry, you're not allowed to testify. 
Right now, today, obviously, that's totally different. But back then, women did not have the right, they did not have the, the, the credibility to be an eyewitness or to give testimony. Yet, when the disciples wrote about the story of Jesus, they said the women were the first witnesses. If they were going to fabricate a story, the last thing they would do was choose women to be the witnesses, right? Like, like again, I know in our modern context, it doesn't make sense, but back then, they wouldn't have chosen the women. They would have said, uh, let's, make, let, let's have Peter be the first one, or let's have John, or, or let's have Nicodemus, or let's have somebody else, if they're fabricating the story. But, but they weren't fabricating the story. They were telling the story the way it happened. And the way it happened was Mary and some other women were at the tomb. They saw it was open. They saw an angel and they saw no body of Jesus. And then when they turned and they started to go and tell people, Jesus showed up to them. And Mary was the first person to see the resurrected Jesus. And she was therefore the witness. If the tomb wasn't empty, then where is the body? If the tomb wasn't empty, then, then why pick women to be the witness? If the tomb wasn't empty, then why would the early disciples risk their life? Like, I want you to think about Peter. Peter was a follower of Jesus from the beginning. And when Jesus was on trial uh, for, for, to be crucified, when he was on trial, that Peter was hiding off in the shadows. And, and a little servant girl came up to him and said, hey, aren't you, aren't you a follower of, uh, of his? And Peter cowardly said, no, 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 I don't know, any, I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. A little bit later, another servant girl came to him, and he said, I, I, seriously, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Why would Peter cowered away from a little servant girl, yet 50 days later stand in front of thousands upon thousands of people and say, I got news for you. You crucified Jesus, but now he has risen from the dead. I mean, I mean think about it. He didn't even stand in front of him and go, um, guys, I hate to tell you, I know you didn't mean to, but you made a little mistake with Jesus, but it's okay. Like he rose from the dead. It's, it's okay. That's not what Peter did. We have a recorder that he stood in front of people. He looked him in the eye and said, you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. That he was willing to risk his life. And so was Stephen. And so was Philip. And so was John. So were all of the apostles, all of the earlier, early followers. And not, not even so much risk their lives. They were willing to die. See, I think many of us like risking our lives. Like we like doing things that are a little crazy. Like some of you have jumped out of an airplane. That, that's a little crazy, right? That's risking your life. Some of you have, have ridden carnival rides. Like, I'd jump out of an airplane before I'd hop on some carnival ride, right? You know what I'm saying? But we'll do it. We'll risk our lives that way. The disciples, they didn't just risk their lives. They were willing to die for Jesus. And they did. And like, one or two might die just so that they kind of get put in the history books. But a whole group of people would not. Unless it was true and the tomb was empty. 
Because if the tomb is empty, it changes everything. Uh, Let me give you one more. James and Jude. Why would James and Jude become followers of Jesus? And and you might go, okay, Josh, I don't get this one. Well, James, uh, he was a guy who wrote one of the books of the Bible. It's in the back of the Bible in the New Testament. It's called the book of James. And James was a leader in the early church. That, that he was one that people came to and they were trying to figure out how to do things. And he said, well, this is what we need to do. And then he wrote this book and he started his book by saying, James, a bondservant, or you could say a slave of Jesus. And then his brother Jude also wrote a book, a little bitty book, one of my favorite books in all of the Bible. And in, in, in that book, Jude started it the exact same way he said, Jude, a bondservant, which means slave of Jesus. Now, here's what's crazy, that James and Jude were saying, we are slaves of Jesus, yet just a few years earlier, they said, Jesus, he's loco. He's crazy. And see, they said that because Jesus was their brother. That, that, that they were half-brothers of Jesus because their mom and dad was Joseph and Mary. And so, so they looked at Jesus as their brother. And when Jesus was on the earth doing ministry, there was a time that his family came and he was teaching, saying he was the son of God, saying that he was the Messiah, healing people. And his family came and said, Jesus, you need to stop doing that. You're acting a little crazy. What would have to change? Think about this for you. What would have to change for you to say that your brother was your master, Lord, Savior, and you were his slave? An empty tomb. That they saw what he said come true. They heard him say, I'm king, I am Messiah, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise from the dead. And then they witnessed it. And when they witnessed it, they said, we were wrong. This changes everything. And what my prayer is for you is that you will follow in their footsteps and that I will follow in their footsteps and that we will see that the empty tomb is real, it's reliable, there's evidence of it, and because of that, it'll change everything in our lives. Now, here's reality. There's things in our life that, that we, we think changed everything. Like, like you could just kind of start doing some mental, mental math, if you want to call it that, right now. Of what has changed in your life? Like, like just what, what brought about change? Let me just share a couple from my life. Things that I thought changed everything. The, the first thing that I thought changed everything was Michael Jackson's Thriller album. You know what I'm saying? Like, like seriously, like Michael Jackson's Thriller album what was, was my first album I ever bought. And I still remember the songs from that album. Anybody with me? Right? You remember? Hey, sing along. Billy Jean is. Oh, yeah, you got it, right? You know what I mean? And he was doing this, right? Or, or how about this one? Beat it. Beat it. Come on. Come on, Jackie Lee. Come with me here. Oh, you don't know this song. Because you young. Oh, you know. All right. How about this one? I don't even have to sing it. Right, 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 yeah, thank you, yeah, right, you get it, Thriller, like, it changed everything. And then I bought my second album, Def Leppard Pyromania. Some of, some of you 80s hair bands people with me, you know what I'm talking about? 
Like, mm, front row center twice with Def Leppard. I loved it. Changed everything. Hair bands came in, which meant rat and poison and Bon Jovi. And it was the 80s, and it was great. And then a guy named Kurt Cobain came in with Nirvana and said to all the hair bands, pack your bags and get out. And that changed everything. Like literally, all the hair bands went from playing arenas to playing at the House of Blues. You know what I'm saying? How about some other things that maybe changed things in your life? The remote control, right? Like this, Jen, I know you won't get this, but, but your parents, myself, we used to have to get up and change the station. Click, click, click. And even put aluminum foil on the bunny ears to try to get the station, right? How, how about this one? Ketchup in a squeeze bottle and ketchup packets. Come on, who's with me on that one, right? Like, like that's massive. Like, we used to sit there and bang that stupid ketchup bottle. And everybody's like, hit it on the numbers. I don't know who came up with that stupid idea, because that doesn't work. I'm thankful for the packets and the squeezing. The last one right here, the iPod. The iPod changed everything. Y'all didn't know these really exist. Right here, original iPod. Like, this is click wheel and all. And here's the great thing. It still works. You could plug it in. Now, it won't update, so guess what you're going to listen to? Michael Jackson and Def Leppard, okay? But if I'm real with you, it changed some things, but it didn't change everything, right? Like, these, these things changed a couple things in my life, but they didn't change everything. Like, I got a granddaughter now, and she has changed so much of my life, but it hasn't changed everything. But Jesus and the empty tomb changes everything. Changes everything. If you look back to the disciples, the empty tomb changed everything in their life. And I could go through like a ton of things, a bunch of things, a lot of things that changed, but I want to hit two real quick. One, the empty tomb helps us to understand and to know that we could be made right with God. That we can be right with God. That, that, that there's no longer this idea of like, do I have to appease God? Do I have to work for salvation? Do I have to do a bunch of good things to, to maybe get to heaven one day? The empty tomb changed all that. Because the old system of trying to do good works, the old system of going, I got to sacrifice this and I got to do that to get to God, was done. It was gone because on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. And it through the empty tomb, he proved it. And we have access. We can be made right with God because of the empty tomb. And here's what I believe. We all want that. Like, like, I truly believe this. As I look out and look at every one of you in the eye, I believe that you want to be right with God. And I don't think that's just people who go to church or people who are here today or people who call themselves Christ followers. I think everybody longs to be right with God. Now, some of us will put on a facade and some of us will say like, no, nope, no, nope, like I don't believe in God. I don't think he's real. But there's still something 
deep down in our hearts that longs to connect with the holy, that longs to connect with a higher power. I know when I was a teenager, before I'd ever been to church, I know that was true of me. And I searched for the spiritual. I was trying to connect with a God in any way I could. And it led me down awful paths. I I look at our college campuses today, and so many of our college campuses, there are people who are saying, I just want to connect with God. I think that is true of a lot of Christian universities, but I think that's true of of our state universities as well. I do a lot of work at Coastal Carolina, and there are a lot of students that go, man, I just want to connect to the spiritual. I was sitting in a meeting the other day with some leaders from our church, and we were just talking about there's this desire on our hearts, on people's hearts, to get right with God. And I want you to know today that you can be right with God. You don't have to wonder You don't have to to guess that you can leave here today knowing that you are right with God through the power of the resurrection. Let me show it to you. It's in uh, Romans chapter 10. It says this in verse 9. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Like, I want you to see the if conditional clause. It's right there. If, if I believe, like if I will declare that Jesus is Lord, and if I will believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, then, then I can be saved. Then The next verse reads, for it is believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is openly declaring your faith that you are saved. That, that, now what the writer here is saying is that, that if you will, if you will just believe it in your heart. And what does he mean by that? He means believe in the finished work of Christ. That he died, that he was buried, and that he rose from the dead. That, that, that not just that he died, the cross is highly important But so is the resurrection, because the resurrection gives proof to who Jesus is and what he has done. So I believe in my heart that, yes, Jesus died on the cross. Yes, Jesus went to the tomb. Yes, Jesus rose from the the grave. And if I believe it in my heart and then confess it with my mouth, I confess it with my life, then I can be saved. Then I am made right with God. We confess it by saying, Jesus, you're my Lord. We confess it through the act of baptism. Look at this verse in Romans. It says, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. That, that what the writer here is saying is when you take that step of baptism, you are, you are identifying with Jesus. That you are doing the same thing he did. As he went into the tomb, you're going down into the water. As he came out of the tomb, you're coming out of the water. That you are being raised to a newness of life. So when you take that step of baptism... When you take it, what you're doing is you're declaring my faith 
I'm declaring what I believe in my heart. You're declaring, I am right with God. The empty tomb helps us to realize we're right with God, but it also helps us to live for God. The empty tomb helps us to live for God. Let me show you this next verse. It says, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. That when you give your life to Christ through the power of the resurrection, he gives you a new life. The old is gone, the old is dead, newness has come, and now you can live for God. Those old sins, done. That old life, done. A new life is in front of you. The next verse reads this way. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Think about this. Too many times we think, man, I don't have the power to stop sinning. I don't have the power to beat that addiction. I don't have the power to push down that pride. I don't have the, the power to quit lusting. I don't have the power to control my greed. Yes, you do. Because inside of Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you to have victory over sin. That you might sit here and say, this is who I am. No, that is who you were. Who you are now is alive in Christ. Last verse says, for when we died with Christ, meaning baptism, giving my life over, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. Look at this last part. We are sure of this. We are certain of this. That we are confident of this because Christ was raised from the dead. That he was raised from the dead. And because of the power of the resurrection, I can now live a new life. A life of purpose. A life of calling. A life on mission. Not a life of wandering and wondering. Not a life of sin. If the tomb is empty, it changes everything. It changes everything. It did for the early disciples. It did for me. It did for Harley. It did for Connor. And Connor is a friend of mine, a student at Coast. Last week, he took a step of baptism. And when he took that step of baptism, he wrote his name on this rock because he was saying that be, because of what Christ did, because the rock was rolled away, I can now build my life and my foundation on the rock of Christ. So he wrote his name on this rock saying, I am now right with God and I can live a new life. 
All those people in that video you saw earlier, those are people in the last three months who have taken the step of baptism and wrote their name on a rock, like Steve, like Sarah, like Paul, like Joshua, like Trace, like Amy, like Ashley, like all of these people who have said, I'm gonna take that step. And then so far today, so far this weekend, there's 14 more rocks over there on the baptistry. Uh, people have said, I'm doing this. That I wanna be right with God. And I know that there's, there's a couple people, at least during this hour, that are gonna do that as well. And maybe there's some more. Because now's the time. There's no reason to leave here wondering, can I be right with God? You don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder. So what I want to challenge you to do right now is let the empty tomb change everything. And I, I want to challenge you. If you've been curious, am I right with God? If you've been wondering, or if you're like, I know I'm not because I've never believed in my heart. I've never confessed with my mouth. And I want you to do that today. I'm going to ask a couple of our prayer counselors if they'll just hang out in that connect corner right there. And if anybody today is willing to say, like, I want to make sure I am right with God, then I'm going to invite you to go to that corner and pray with somebody to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, to say, I believe it in my heart. That way you can walk out of here knowing I am right with God. Now, I want you to know there's going to be some people there. I, I, one of our prayer counselors, Jody, she's on her way there right now. We are there because we want to help you make sure that you know in my heart, I believe the tomb is empty. And with my mouth, I'm gonna say it. Or maybe for you, it is the step of baptism. That you're, you're, you're ready to say today that I am going to confess this to the world. I'm gonna confess it to myself and to everybody else, I believe. And there's really only two reasons I can think of not to get baptized today if you haven't been baptized yet. The first one would be this, if you're an elementary student or a child that's in, in the room. And what we'd always say to an elementary student is you can go to the prayer corner and you can confess Jesus as your Lord, but we would want you to walk out that baptism with one of your parents or guardians. And we have a booklet that you can walk through that and, and walk through that with your parents. And then, and then if after that you're like, yes, I'm ready to do this, then we'll schedule and we'll make it happen. The other person that, that should say, no, I don't want to get baptized is the person who says, I don't know if he's my Lord yet. You're right. If you're not convinced that he's your Lord, then you shouldn't. Because baptism is a step of saying, I believe in my heart that he is the Lord. I believe in my heart that he rose from the dead. And if you're questioning that, if you're, not, if you're like, nah, I'm not there yet, that's good. The fact that you're here and you're investigating and you're listening, I want you to know I am thankful for you and I want you to know this is a place you can always come to investigate who Jesus is. I wouldn't want you to take that step. But if you believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, then why wouldn't you take that step if you haven't? 
And people will say this, well, I'm just not ready yet. You'll never be ready. See, people say that statement going, I've got to get my life in order. I've got to get my sins in check. I've got to, I got to do all this. That would be like me saying, I'm only going to go to the doctor once I'm healthy. Right? We don't do that. Like some of you maybe do because you're extra special. But most of you are like me. And we only go to the doctor when you're like, something's off. Right? And I go there because they can tell me what is wrong with my body. And they can help me get better. The same is true with Jesus. I don't have to get it all together to go to Jesus. That That is faulty thinking. I go to Jesus because he puts it all together for me. Amen. Or maybe you'll say this. Well, I've been going to church for like 40 years. And if I go and take a step of baptism now, people will be like, what, you haven't been saved? What, well, like, why are you doing that? It'll be embarrassing. No, it won't be embarrassing. It'll be celebrated because of your obedience. And we had some people at our, at our ten, that watched at our 830 hour and online and made a decision online to take a step of baptism and showed up at the 10 o'clock to do it. And his exact words were, Jesus has been my savior for a while, but I never took that step because I was embarrassed. He wasn't embarrassed after that, he was celebrated. And maybe that's you today. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna invite everybody to stand up right now. And if you're ready to be right with God and live for God and you're ready to confess him, go to that connect corner right there and pray with somebody. If you're ready to take that step of baptism, we have shorts, we have shirts, we got towels. We will will take care of you. All you have to do is head to that corner right there. John, if we could get just a little bit of lights there so people can see that. All you got to do is head right there. I'll be there, some others will be there, and we'll be there to to help you take that step. For others of you, you're like, no, Jesus is my Lord. I believe with everything in my heart. Well, then I want you to declare it. I want you to declare it through singing. I want you to declare it through worshiping. I want you to declare it by coming up and taking communion, saying, Jesus is my Lord. I believe it in my heart. He raised from the dead, and that he's my Savior. So let's spend some time responding. Jesus, we come before you right now. Trusting in your finished work on the cross and through the tomb. Because of that, it changes everything. Help us to be right with you. 